And welcome back to episode number three of Mind Over Label. So today we are going to cover off renaming ADHD. We're going to go into exercise and the brain, exercise and ADHD, what it does and how exercise can work like a drug for ADHD. We also have a guest on this potty segment. So it'll be a bit of a funny one living with people with ADHD. So funny things that I do and also some of the really cool perks that neurospicy people have. So let's kick off. First things first, we're going to chat about renaming ADHD. Why should ADHD be renamed? So do you think it would make a difference if it were called something else? Would it change people's perceptions? You know, would it lessen the stigma around what attention deficit hyperactivity disorder actually is? And would it change our experiences? So for me personally, I think that ADHD can be a really confusing and sometimes misleading name for some people with the condition. For example, inattentive ADHD patients can be confused when they're given the label ADHD because they're not actually hyperactive. And when I was having a chat with my dad about it, he said, but you're not hyperactive, Sam, but a lot of the hyperactivity is actually inside the head in the brain. It also comes with advantages. So the term disorder should also be debated. You know, I believe that ADHD is not purely a disorder. It is a mix of assets and liabilities. So we'll go a little bit into the history of the name of ADHD. So way back when, almost over 50 years ago, in 1980, the American Psychiatry Association, APA, changed the name of disorder from hyperkinetic reaction of childhood to attention deficit disorder. So just ADD, no ADHD. At the time, scientists believed the hyperactivity was not a common symptom of the disorder. Instead, there were two subtypes of ADD. So you had ADD with hyperactivity and ADD without hyperactivity. In 1987, it was further revised from ADD with or without hyperactivity and changed to attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It included three key symptoms of inattentiveness, impulsivity, and hyperactivity into a single list of symptoms, but didn't identify subtypes of the disorder. Finally, in year 2000, it established three subtypes of ADHD, which is now commonly used by healthcare professionals today. So you had predominantly inattentive type ADHD, you have predominantly hyperactive impulsive type ADHD, and then the third is your combined type ADHD. So should we stop calling ADHD a disorder or even a disability? Because of the neurodiversity movement, which believes that while people have different ways of thinking or behaving, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have a disorder or disability. The neurodiverse community rejects the usage of those words to describe the variabilities in brain functions, structure, chemistry, development, or whatever you have. ADHD is an inaccurate and potentially offensive name. The term deficit disorder places ADHD in the realm of pathology or a disease. Individuals with ADHD don't have a deficit of attention. In fact, what they have is an abundance of attention, but just selectively. Therefore, it's a widespread argument that a more accurate descriptive term is a variable attention stimulus trait. 
The acronym for this is AVAST. Some of you may have heard of some of the debates that are currently in the media at the moment about changing ADHD to VAST. And it's a name that allows us to demedicalize ADHD and focus instead on the huge benefits of having an ADHD brain. So one of my favorite and very informative sites, Attitude, so that's A-D-D-I-T-U-D, Attitude. They did a survey and they asked readers whether they thought that ADHD was a terrible name for the condition. So 52% of readers said, yes, ADHD is a terrible name. 34% were neutral and 14% said the name was appropriate. So that's a big, that's almost more than half of, half of the readers that said, yeah, let's change it. So they also asked their readers to offer potential suggestions for different name changes. Some of them are quite funny. So first up, you've got NeuroSpicy. Next, you have Capacity Management Syndrome. Third is Exceptional Artistic Ability of the Genius Variety. That's a bit of a mouthful. This one's quite funny. Can't live up to your bull expectation syndrome. You have executive malfunction disorder, you have the zoomies, you have dysregulated attention disorder, so dad, you have selective attention impulsive disorder, said, you have neuro overload disorder, nod, you have chronic overwhelm disorder, cod, you have a race car brain, and then Dave, which stands for Dopamine Attention Variability Executive Dysfunction. Again, that one's another mouthful. But yeah, all really good, important points. And I guess they encapsulate a lot of the things that are going on in the brain. So in the next segment, we're going to cover exercise for the ADHD brain. So one thing that I've noticed, if I have a few days off exercise or if I'm injured and can't get to the gym or even get out for walks, my cognitive focusing function declines rapidly. So for me, I've noticed that incorporating regular, even if it's just a walk, I do you know, fitness classes at a gym, which I really love. They are group classes. And I just find that that massively, massively, massively helps set up my day. So I train first thing in the morning and I'll usually train about six days a week, incorporating at least 10,000 steps per day where I can with work. So it is important to know that through ADHD medications, they're not the only treatment option. So it's important to know that ADHD medications aren't the only treatment option that you have available. There's now a huge consensus among experts that regular exercise is one of the best things that you can do to treat your ADHD. Physical activity is known to have positive effects, not only on your general health and well-being but it also has the potential to improve your mood and your quality of life and also reduce your stress responses. In addition, a growing body of literature suggests beneficial effects of exercise on symptoms of ADHD. Improvements in neurobehavioral functions have been demonstrated, including the reduced impulsivity and hyperactivity, improved attention, enhanced performance on executive functioning tasks. So we know that ADHD starts in the brain and it stems from a glitch in our brain's attention system, which is made up of an interconnected web of neurons that are spread throughout various areas of the brain, from areas that control arousal, motivation and reward to those involved in executive function and movement. These attention circuits are regulated by neurotransmitters such as norepinephrine and dopamine, which help usher messages from one part of the system to another. 
Broadly speaking, the problem for people with ADHD is that the communication within their attention system is often patchy and disconnected. Envision this like you're going through a tunnel and you're on the phone and your reception's kind of a little bit intermittent, it drops in and out, kind of sounds a little bit robotic. That's what's going on similarly with the neural pathways in a person with ADHD in their brain. Therefore, the goal of ADHD treatment is to fill these gaps in order to decrease the distractibility and any other symptoms that might be present. And this is just what exercise does. So if you're going through that tunnel and the tunnel builder decides to install little posts within the tunnel that increase the signal, therefore your call's not going to drop out. Makes sense. So a recent study published in the Journal of Attention Disorders in 2012 showed that doing moderate to vigorous intensity exercise 45 minutes a day, three times a week for 10 weeks improved cognitive function and behavior in children with ADHD. Specifically, it seems that the children who followed the exercise program were more efficient at processing information as demonstrated by faster speeds of visual research and better sustained auditory attention. Exercise can have a similar effect as medications. Although most of us equate exercises to changes in our waistline, physical activity also has a profound effect on the brain. Early brain and exercise research has indicated that exercise results in the growth of new nerve cells, known as neurogenesis, increases the levels of several different neurotransmitters and vascular adaptations, which means new blood vessels. In fact, scientists have found that moderate to intense exercise actually provokes changes in many of the same neurochemical and brain structures as popular ADHD medications. As mentioned previously, the neurotransmitters norepinephrine and dopamine play a major role in regulating the attention system. As a result, they are the most common chemicals targeted by ADHD medications. However, increasing norepinephrine and dopamine is all the broad scientific explanation for scientists' profound effect on the ADHD brain. Whenever you walk, run, bike or swim, your brain releases lots of these neurotransmitters, which increases the attention system ability to regulate and consistently spur the growth of new receptors in certain areas of the brain. This can also be known as runner's high. So I'm not sure if you've heard of runners going for a three kilometer jog and the health benefits in their brain is just second to none. Another common symptom in children with ADHD is fidgeting. This has been linked to an overactive cerebellum. While recent studies have shown that ADHD drugs that elevate dopamine and norepinephrine bring this area back into balance, exercise has also been shown to be effective and the more complex the exercise, the better. So the recommended guidelines for developing a successful prescriptive exercise program useful for treating ADHD is to do moderate intensity cardiovascular activity at 65 to 75% of your VO2 max for 30 to 40 minutes a day for at least four to five times a week. So as we know, we have various features of the ADHD brain. We have the need for structure. We have the need for variety to keep things interesting. We need to incorporate new skills as well, and we need a system to measure outcomes. So it's important that a ADHD exercise program addresses all of these. So with the need for structure, it often helps if you had structured workouts that are planned 
as part of your daily routine. They can be done with a personal trainer or in a group setting. It helps if you incorporate variety. So variety within the structured exercise program, you know, you've got different functional movements, including squats, lunges, upper body, deadlifts, and you can also incorporate resistance training, cardiovascular training as well. Whilst it's all good and well to have a active physical activity regime in your day-to-day life, it is important to note that you do need to complement this with sufficient quality of sleep. If you don't have good levels of sleep, it limits your body's ability to reset the brain dopamine levels. So if you're getting three, four, five hours of sleep a night and you're doing all the physical activity in the world, that's still going to impair your brain's ability to have those baseline levels of dopamine to reap the maximal benefits. So the last little section of this segment is how exercise helps the brain. So whilst no one knows the exact cause of ADHD, research indicates that it may be related to dysfunction within the neurochemical dopamine. Exercise not only encourages the production of dopamine, nor epinephrine and serotonin, the happy drug in the brain, but does so by having the same effect as the stimulant methylphenidate, which is also known as Ritalin. So in ADHD patients, abnormalities in the frontostriatal functioning, in particular the hypoactivity in the dopaminergic and noradrenergic systems, have been related to the attentional and executive impairments. With regular physical activity, we can raise the baseline levels of dopamine and norepinephrine by spurring the growth of new receptors in certain brain areas. Stimulants are the first-line medication in ADHD. These are extremely effective medications, increase the availability of dopamine and norepinephrine in the prefrontal cortex, and result in a reduction of symptoms and improvement of executive function in the majority of patients. In essence, exercise does for the brain the same things that medication do. The challenge is that the effects of exercise only last for a few hours following the activity. Since it's not always possible to exercise multiple times a day, other interventions like medication can be helpful. The increased dopamine production through exercise can help improve attention and focus in people with ADHD. That's not all, however. Exercise also produces endorphins, the feel-good chemical in the brain. Thus, exercise is nature's antidepressant. It makes you feel good. Exercise also helps children and adults get rid of restless energy, which is a symptom of ADHD. It also has a positive effect on the limbic system because it helps regulate the amygdala. In the context of ADHD, the amygdala blunts the hair trigger responsiveness a lot of people experience. And it's even out of the reaction to a new source of stimulus, so we don't go overboard and scream at another driver in a fit of road rage, for example. To the extent that ADHD is a lack of control of impulses and attention the performance of the prefrontal cortex is critical. In a 2006 study from Arthur Kramer, PhD, the University of Illinois, so he used MRI scans to show that walking as little as three days per week for six months increased the volume of the prefrontal cortex in older adults. When Kramer tested aspects of their executive function, the subject showed improvement in working memory, smooth switching between tasks, and screening out irrelevant stimuli. Kramer wasn't on the trail of ADHD, but his findings illustrate another way that exercise might help. 
So it's interesting that studies, you know, researching about ADHD and just about the general function of the brain all show really positive impacts that exercise can have. So everybody agrees that exercise boosts the level of dopamine and norepinephrine. You're probably sick of hearing me say that. One of the intracellular effects of these neurotransmitters, according to Yale University neurobiologist Amy Arnstein, is to improve the prefrontal cortex signal to nose ratio. Arnstein has found that norepinephrine improves the signal quality of synaptic transmission, while dopamine decreases the noise or static or undirectional neuronal chatter. This prevents receiving the cell from processing irrelevant signals. So a lot of the times you've probably heard exercise can definitely help clear my head. Oftentimes when one has ADHD, it is so hard to turn your mind off. And I think exercise definitely helps to switch off the external noise. So how do you keep it up? Just a few tips on keeping exercise in your regime. It's pretty simple. So you've got to keep it interesting, mix it up a little bit. Don't do five days swimming if that's not going to stimulate your brain. Chuck in a run, chuck in a walk, chuck in a swim, chuck in a group class. You've got to make it a habit. If you find a partner or a group, that can help increase your motivation. I personally find it's a lot easier for me to get moving in the morning. I know that if I train in the morning then my brain is set up for the day. If I don't get a chance to train in the morning or I have to do it after work, I kind of dread it all day. I feel much better after, but it's just a lot easier just to get moving in the morning. And this in conjunction with having a healthy lifestyle, so watching your diet, regular activity, maintaining your meds can all really, really help optimize the way that your brain functions. And now it's time for our special guests and the last segment of the show. So my housemate Penny is going to come on and we're going to talk about some challenges in the diagnostic journey, I guess, just from her perspective of living with someone that's had to go through it, the pain points, the highs, the lows, the struggles we've had with telling people. I'm going to tell the story of my mom and dad and how they've kind of come full circle and people's just negative reactions and some of the things that they say, just so that if you do have someone that comes to you saying they do have ADHD, I guess just how to show support. So over to you, Penny. Thank you so much for joining us. So thank you so much, Penny, for joining me on the third episode of this podcast. Some things that I wanted to cover off just with Penny's two cents. Yeah. Some challenges that I faced in the diagnostic journey. Some of the reactions that we've had from telling people. I've got a really fun story about my mum and dad, because as we know, it's genetic. And it's a really funny story. And then we'll also just cover off people's reactions and some of the things, I guess, what not to say when you do kind of get diagnosed and you are being vulnerable and telling people. So let's kick things off. So Penny, what were some of the challenges that I guess you witnessed firsthand through this diagnostic journey? Oh, well, I mean, hello guys. I have to say, I, my knowledge about ADHD while you're going through the process, I didn't know too much about it. Obviously you hear the term. ADHD and you kind of get an idea of what it is, what it entails. But mm. I think the two big things seeing you go through the process was a, how hard it is mm-hmm. going through that process, how expensive it is, how there's no kind of clear, easy process for you, which obviously I can see how frustrating it was when you just want answers to help you ultimately live better in terms of knowing how your mind works and being able to, yeah, understand how it works, how you can feel 
better about things. And yeah, I think seeing that process, how difficult it was, was really surprising given I do feel like ADHD is a term that is really commonly used. So you would have thought because of how common it's used, the process would be better to get help. Mm. But then also learning about it. So I think it's been interesting to see like how living with you before the process and then we'll go into some fun facts about that. But I think it was interesting seeing like how you, how you were before and then going through the process and then how you kind of changed afterwards because Mm. you understood how, yeah. And obviously there's the fun quotes, which, you know, it makes us all spicy and we love that. But yeah, I think it was interesting to see how you're understanding your, like, I don't want to say behaviors, but thoughts and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And yeah, like seeing you benefit from the process and obviously like finding out and then the difficulties and, you know, anxiousness about telling people. So yeah, yeah definitely. And I think. I came home to you one day quite upset because one yeah. person that I told, I won't name names. Uh, no names on podcast. <laughs> I kind of came home and I was not excited about my diagnosis, but I feel like everything kind of made sense and fell into place. And I was like, yeah. okay, cool. Like, now I'm going to go tell people. Yeah. And then one of the first or second people I told, their reaction was, you know, ADHD isn't even real. Like, I don't even want to know about it. And that really kind of really hurt me. Yeah. Yeah, which is totally understandable. And yeah, I think it's been good, like personally for myself, learning about it. And I think anyone that I meet that has ADHD now going forward and more kind of like, like give them more, I don't know what the term is, I can't think, but just more conscious of what it is versus before I feel like I didn't really truly know. So it's yeah. been good for myself to even know and obviously be able to support you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to highlight as well is, you know, if someone comes to you with a condition that you don't know anything about, like, you know, rather than just saying, I don't know about it, I don't believe in it, you know, you can sort of broach the situation like, oh, that's so interesting. I've heard a little bit about it, you know, tell me more about it from your perspective. Tell me how it affects you. Because yeah. as we know, it is like a spectrum and it affects people so so I think if someone does come to you with the news, not that you did this, but, you know, just chuck the judgment out the window, just kind of be there, like listen to them, ask them how it affects them, ask if they need any support. That's definitely one of the, one of the good ways to do it. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So the funny story about my mum and dad. So initially when I told them, I told them that I was going through the diagnostic journey and my dad was kind of like, you're not hyperactive. You never struggled at school, you know, kind of all the cliche, I guess, things that are associated around ADHD, which comes back from when an eight-year-old boy was diagnosed. You know, it was usually really disruptive in class, a lot of, couldn't sit still, like a lot of hyperactivity externally. So told them about my, you know, decision to go down the diagnostic journey. They kind of came around, so... The reaction that I got from them wasn't amazing and supportive as I was hoping at first. So kind of just went on, did my thing, got the diagnosis. They also, you know, they were following along. They were kind of like, how's it going? So when I finally got my diagnosis, I told them and they kind of came around and they were a lot more supportive. And it was really funny because we're at the dinner table uh, like a few weeks ago. And <laughs> you can do these little like online quizzes, which I discussed in episode two. So 
I just said to my mom, I was like, look, this would be funny. Let's just do a quick online quiz to you. She scored so high on every single one. So I think she also has it. So it was a bit of a light bulb moment for her. But I think in her head, she was kind of like, no, I don't have it. Like everything I do is normal. Or some of the symptoms that I wouldn't say, she'd be like, father does that all the time. Yeah, true. I think that's quite like a common. Yeah, yeah. quite a common. <laughs> I think as well, like, you know, what we've spoken about before is I feel like our parents are from a different generation where mental health, ADHD wasn't really spoken about. It would, well, don't touch the apparel. That's the wasn't spoken about. Oh, trigger jokes. I'm sorry. Sorry, but yeah, I think it's like our parents, it's a different generation where, like, you know, even personally for myself, I've been to a therapist, tell my dad, and he's like, oh, well, what's wrong with you? It's like, takes a while for, I think, them to kind of, sink in the news, learn about it, and also see the benefits. Like, mm. I think your parents have definitely, like, seen the benefits post you being diagnosed with it, learning about it, Yeah, that they're seeing, like, oh, wow, like, you know, like, seeing how you are and how much better you are. And, yeah, I think that's really important as well. Yeah, for sure. It is so, so important to have a, you know, good support network around you because I feel like if you do get diagnosed later in life, it's kind of, like, it's a bittersweet moment when you do actually get told that you have it because it's kind of like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Like, this explains why I'm like this. And it just, it's like a penny drop moment. But as well, you're kind of like, not resentful, but you're like, if I got this diagnosis earlier and, you know, if I could have implemented medication or these other things that are making my life a lot easier to deal with, you know, where would I be now? So it's kind of like a bittersweet thing. So you do kind of need that support network. So in this last segment with Pendle, my housemate, we're going to cover off some funny things about living with me. I think before my diagnosis, you would get annoyed about certain work and funny things that I did. And now that she knows that's how my brain is wired, she's been a lot more accepting and a lot more kind. So over to you, Pendogs. Let's list some of the funny things that you used to get angry at. Some people would like to say patience, which I know you're learning. I've gotten a lot better. You have. Yeah. Do you know what? That is actually one thing you really, I have noticed. It's so much more patient. Whereas before, oh my God, love you, but like the most impatient you've ever Anyway, I'm going to back rolls in this. So where to begin? I think one of my funniest stories, though, is recently. And, yeah, so to set the story, I've just gone to Melbourne for, like, one of the biggest work presentations of the year. You know, lead up to it. Sam knows all about it. Stressing out about it. Do this big prezzo. Get back to Sydney. We're on the balcony having a drink, catching up. Just, oh, how did your presentation go? Just literally just getting into the story of it. I'm like, yep, so this happened. And then all of a sudden she looks up and Brenda next door is just washing up. And she notices Brenda, like, Brenda, Brenda, (laughs) trying to like call, get her attention while I'm telling her the story. And I'm, I'm, I don't know why I continue telling the story. Stop. You were still getting Brenda's attention. I was listening. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Uh, Impressed, but. Also, we don't know if her name is Brenda, but she looks like a Brenda. She's <laughs> her, like, Brenda. All because the other day she asked where our outdoor furniture was from. And she saw her and was trying to get her attention to tell her where the outdoor furniture was from. Instead of 
listening to the conversation about how the presentation went. So, Brenda, if you're listening, our outdoor furniture <laughs> is from my deal. <laughs> and it was, we got a great deal. So, I, I hope you listen to this because, yeah, now you know where it's going. Oh, but I really hope you don't take offense to that because that's no. just something that, like, that's how my brain works. And the amount of times that I notice something and I mm. shut out a distraction when I am having a conversation with you to keep focused on you is like, no, I love it. Probably I was, like 15 times a day. Uh, and I honestly, yeah, don't take any offense to that. And I think <laughs> it's another thing as well when you're the person you're living with sees you go through the process because it's actually kind of funny when you look at these stories and you're like, oh, it's, it's kind of cute. It's a quirk, <laughs> you know? Well, a lot of it's spicy and have a little quirk. So, got to embrace. Anyway, but at least Brenda knows where to find it. Just for- um, I can sleep at night now. She could sleep at night. No, I've got the amount of times at night where you're like, I have to know about this. So, yeah. Anyway, we'll go into that. I'm just referring to my phone because we have a list going on on my own show and the topic is called ADHD Sound Teens, which I told you I feel like you should call the podcast that. Anyway, number two on the list, your super weird obsession with sports. <laughs> Like, I genuinely, and if anyone actually has an obsession with sports, please let her know. Because I feel, to this day, have not met anyone that is obsessed with sports. You use them every single meal. True. <laughs> True. But <laughs> I am, But you've kind of, like, shown me the world of sports. Yeah, because they're great. Realize, they are great. So once you know something's good, you're not going to go back to it. They're a spoon, they're a fork, and they're a knife in one. It's like, what more could you want? However, I do want to, like, add an extra layer of detail here. There is one particular spork. One particular (laughs) spork that you have to use every dinner. And it has a pointy end. And I kid you not, obviously... She'd be fine having a different spork, but she very much would prefer to have a particular spork. And if I have used it and it's dirty or it's washed up, she'll be like, we use this spork. Anyway. Okay, to be fair, it's my parent wedding anniversary spork, so I feel like there's a there's a thing there. No, but I, I actually do have preferential preference to the handle. Yeah. Some handles are nice to hold, some handles aren't nice to hold, but I feel like that's... Yeah, I don't know if that's ADHD or if I'm maybe also on the autistic spectrum and I just have weird special preferences, but this is all learning experience. It's all so learning experience. We love it. <laughs> the other one, which I feel like you have said a lot of people that have ADHD do do this, mm-hmm. is reading cupboard doors open. Yeah. And I want to say, actually today, he did not leave any cupboard door open. So I'd rather... In the, I, I did in my room. Oh, well, <laughs> I feel like screw it, sure it's here. Just consciously trying to make an effort in the kitchen. No, but it's not but, it's some kind con- like, I didn't even realize I'm doing it. And then you'll say, oh, you left the cupboard door open and I'll walk back in and be like, whoa, that wasn't there when I left the kitchen. But it was, but my mind just doesn't see yeah. it. But yeah, it is interesting. I'll just walk in now and be kind of like just used to it. And just like, oh yeah, there's <laughs> three cupboard doors open. Let me just, let me just <laughs> shut those. He's like, who's been in here? No, you just get used to it now. So, but I think it's because your mind's so active, and then like, say, I'm getting the protein powder out of the yeah. kitchen, 
And then I'm like going to the fridge to get the water out. At least I don't leave the fridge yeah. open. Yeah. Good. No, yeah, that's true. It could be worse. But like my brain just jumps onto the next task. So the previous task, even though I haven't completed it, mm-hmm. it's completed in my head. And then I'm just so like hyper-focused on the next step. But I mean, that also means you leave the odd random thing around the house. So like I'll come into the lounge and there might be like a spork, of course, <laughs> stuck down the side of the sofa or like there's so many random, like you have a, a book that is open, like actually open <laughs> on the side of the sofa for like a few weeks. And I was like, I bet she actually really likes that book. It's not reading it anymore. I just left it there. And like there would just be like the odd random item just around the house and mm. i'm like oh interesting okay cute, cute. fair enough but- it's called the body by bill bryson and it's just fun facts on the body the whole book is just like i can't put it down obviously because i just leave it over and catch so good right if you're listening she's wanting all of god that was actually the next one of one is which was the leaving random things everywhere which you know um also speaking of losing things your passport, which pretty is a pretty big one. It was like. pretty big. There was one time in Ibiza where shout out Dan, we're on holiday in Ibiza, <laughs> and we get a rental car. Sam needed her passport for the rental car. All went great. Taking one for the team, might I add. Yeah, true. All was fine. Get back to the hotel. Sam's packed, but she needs to get up like the next day or whenever to get her flight. We go to bed and literally, I want to say, like, midnight, all of a sudden, like, room's dark. We're all like, oh, God, actually I'm get some sleep. I'm lost with my own thoughts in my head. Finally getting some sleep in Ibiza. And we're like, yep, great, let's get some sleep. And all of a sudden, Sam shouts, oh, my God, so loud. And we're like, what, what, what's wrong, what's wrong? I left my passport in the rental car. Oh, my God. You left it in the web compartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's okay. We live and we learn. But that was not the only. I Some lose stuff to all the time. I know. I lose passports. Probably my keys on my daily basis. Like, yeah, I just, I don't know what I do with them. I'm losing your gym towel. Every time I go to the gym, get your gym towel. I mean, yesterday, it nearly made it. It was right by the door. On the floor. I took it out. I put it down to put it in my bag. And then yeah. I got distracted. And then it I was, didn't quite make it. It was so close. And it's always on the cardio days, the sweaty days. Yeah. She never lets me row a gym towel. Oh, but God, no. You can have a tiny little I just corner want to of it. it. Well, I don't have a choice because my brain to be Going back to ADHD. Is it quite common with people with ADHD to lose things a lot? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I, do. I mean, if we compare me to you, I'm kind of good. I don't want to toot my all, but mm. touch wood, I haven't really lost it. It's thing. not like losing things forever. It's more you come in and you put something down because you get distracted, mm. but it's not a logical place. Mm. And then so it, you can't retrace your step. Like you retrace your steps as to where you would have put it, but it, because you've put it up in your cupboard thing because you were getting something else out of your cupboard, yeah. you lose it. Yeah. You know, it'd be interesting anyone listening that's lost something worse than a passport. Like, yeah. Because I thought like the passport's probably the worst thing yeah. I've heard to a Yeah. Person. So if anyone listening has lost anything worse, yeah, sound very because I'd love to know. Please. Because I'm really late because I lose my house keys, car keys. Older time. <laughs> I feel like Apple, when they have those I find my phone thing, mm. it's actually 
particularly for people like you to be like, yep, yeah, where's my shoe? Yeah, I just need a boop, boop function. All right, next on the list. Your obsession to impulse buy. And no, we are not getting a nice bath on the balcony <laughs> or an egg chair. I kid you not, when we moved into this place, we just got like, and when I say a balcony, guys, it's not like the biggest balcony in the world. It is like pretty small when it comes to a balcony. Like you can be too fit. We've got on there four high chairs. That's it, pretty much. Thank you. My goodness, the most random things that I got sent of what we could do with this balcony. I was almost like, just, just let her, just let her, just let us decide. <laughs> First, it was let's do an ice bath. And I was just like, well, we've actually got a bath. So how about we never use? That we never use. Why don't we just get packs of ice, which we would use for the ice bath, and just put it in the bath? And then you were like, okay, yeah, fair, sure. And now we say sleep on it. If you've got an idea, sleep on it. The other thing was an egg chair, which she didn't look at the measurements. It doesn't actually fit on the balcony. So anyway, we've gone with this outdoor furniture, which Brenda obviously loves. So I keep referring to Brenda, by the way. I really hope she says now. But yeah, we're very happy with this furniture. However, if anything is needed in the house, she is right onto Amazon with about <laughs> five different options. Like, well, this can do neon lights. And this, or speaking of neon lights, anyone wants that we've got a bloody, or I don't even know what you call it, like a, a beam, a neon beam <laughs> in our lounge. The most random buy I think I've ever seen get. And it goes different colours. Oh, do you know what? It's growing it's cool. on me. It is growing on me. But when you first got it, I was just like, what You hated it. I know. I'm like, fine. Just, just put it there. It, it's fine. <laughs> it looks like a great speaker. Anyway, ambiance. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Too. Yeah. For, you know, when I'm Netflix and chilling on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. Love your obsessions impulse by noises. So... If we're watching a film, me personally, it's the washing machine or dishwasher is on. I'm not too faced by it. You can just drown I it out. I can just drown it out and just watch the film. Whereas you are like, I cannot, I cannot hear this washing machine noise. <laughs> if we put, if we're watching a film or dishwasher, or, yeah, or, it is just or very distracting. Anything bats outside the window. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. got a problem there with the bats outside, but yeah, yeah. I kind of do feel for you there, though. That kind of even like working in like open plan offices or working in environments where there's a lot of noise. I really struggle to focus. How do you help yourself to? Do you like listen to things like rain music or like? Yeah, focus? usually I'll always yeah have headphones or music in like spaces like that. I have actually just got on the loop head like little earplug bandwagon. They're amazing. Like they're just going to sit in your ears. They're a bit trendy. They work treats. Yeah. Music, ANC, like noise cancelling headphones if I can't listen to music or just headphones to block it out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next on the miss, your hurry hand movements. I think that goes to the impatientness. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when you're in a rush or something, there's these little gestures. So if anyone's watching the video, it's like, come on, let's get it going in the gym. Like if you finished on a machine, I mean, you've never seen you so eager to get on a rower. You're like, get off so I can get on the rower. Like who does that? Who Because they're working towards this time when I'm competitive. Oh, anyway, shout out to the Naples gym. It's you trying to beat everyone. 
stress meeting on time. Mm. So when it comes to time punctuality, you're very like conscious. And I think it does like stress if you're running late. Mm. But well, there's definitely, I feel like, benefits I've learned in that respect, which we'll go to. Mm. But I think that's because I'm part of the ADHD thing is like time blindness. So like I've been late so many times that I can't just say, okay, if we need to be at the beach at two, I can't just say, okay, cool. Like we need to be at the beach at two, whatever. Mm. I have to go, okay, we need to be at the beach at two. It's a 15 minute walk. I have to pack my bag. I have to make my lunch. I have to like work back, pretty much write it all down. And then I know that I have to start getting ready at 1.15. And then I know that my departure time or like the time that I leave the house is 2.40. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good though because you're, you are on most times in time punctual because you do that. So yeah, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah. But it doesn't come naturally. No, first. The dryer. To be fair, I feel like a lot of people do this. Just when you leave your clothes to dry for days. And I do feel like a lot of people do that. So I can't feel like. Yeah. I'd like to pissed washing and drying and putting, putting the clothes away oh. that I dread. So that's why it sits in the dryer. Like I know it's there and I know I need to do it. And then you put it on your bed thinking, you know what, I won't go to bed until I fall. And then you push it off. And then there's a big pile of clothes down the end of my bed. Tomorrow's problem. Yeah. Future <laughs> sand problems. Oh. Your amazing fun facts, yes. which are so much fun. I feel <laughs> like you could do your own like pub trivia. We could mm. do like a rose, rose, rose bay <laughs> pub trivia in this apartment <laughs> with all your fun facts. Someone said to me the other day, you're like a walking encyclopedia, but like, mm. I can't, if you go to me, what's a fun fact? I can't just reel it off the top of my head. It has to be brought up in conversation. And then all of a sudden like, I get. I have to like bite my tongue to not interrupt what you're saying. And then once you finish, I don't listen to what you're saying because I'm too busy being like holding my fun fact in. Once you finish, like, did you know? And then no one else cares about the fun facts, but speaking of fun facts, there's a really good one at the end. So definitely stay tuned for that. And I was like, <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. And you're Googling. So if someone tells you something, you are like, I have to know about this. And Basically, we have a pet stingray in the ocean in front of our apartment. We've got five. Five. I thought yeah. we had two. Probably has got five kids yeah. now. So as soon as we've got these pets, all of a sudden, you're like Googling everything to do with stingrays. <laughs> and it's like, I've never just seen someone go into so much depth about <laughs> a topic about stingrays. It, that's just in front of our house. And... I, you know, I applaud you for it. I want to be a good mom. I want to know what they eat. I want to know when they sleep. I want to know why the babies are white. It's because they put sand on to protect them from predators, by the way. Oh, huh? Yep. Well, another one that you've Googled about, and I was working one day, and this is related to fun facts, that I was literally just working, and then all of a sudden I get a message from Sam being like, did you know <laughs> lobsters piss out their faces? Hmm. And that was probably one of my favorite fun facts, and great way to... Break up the boring work day. So there you them. go. No worries. Here to help. Fun facts and very deep thoughts, such as do ghosts go to school? Which, to be fair, is a valid question. I think it is a valid question. It's actually do ghosts have teeth? And my other burning desire question that no one can give me an answer for is do ants go to school? Death, anyone knows? To mess with Please. I want to hear your thoughts. Oh, okay. They are the main fun ones, but I have to say, 
And I know we're going to talk about perks of living with you. <laughs> That's perks of living with you. Perks of your <laughs> sun perks. I'm really joking. The 10% Like what has been beneficial. And I definitely feel like even just your punctuality and like your efficientness of doing things mm. has inspired me to be more efficient with, you know, life admin and just work motivation and yeah, it's definitely been a lot of perks, which I do you want to go into now mm -hmm. and talk about mm -hmm. all the different perks? Yeah. So, you know, having ADHD is not all doom and glory. That doesn't make sense. It's not doom and glory, it's spicy. Yeah, it's spicy. Doom and gloom was what I was supposed to say. There are some glory parts. So I guess some of the perks of, you know, living with a neurospicy individual is that we have a super creative side. So our brain and the ability to think outside the box or divergent thinking is like unparalleled. So I'll be the handyman of our house and, you know, we're both not very, we don't have a lot of experience in building or trade or anything like that. But if there's something in the house that needs to get done, you best believe it. I will do it. I will have no tools. I will have nothing. I will use whatever resources are in the house and I will not give up until it's done. Do you know what? Yes. Two things you've done where you were like, I'm not giving up. Let's mm. change the toilet seat. Mm. And she was like, relentless. I'm getting this fit <laughs> to the point where I was like, Sam, you've got to give up. And you're like, no, I'm not giving up. Like, I could do this. I could do this. But then it did come to a point where I was like, we're going to have to get someone ready for this. But very yeah. interesting one was we had something with our cupboard that was wrong. And to fix it, you... It's like the push-pull cupboard and like the little tip of the, the pusher thing fell off. And your way of fixing that, you looked at an egg carton and you were like, perfect, I'll get some of this cardboard, put it in. It did the job. But mm -hmm. I was like, how do you thought... Like you very creatively think of solutions. Mm. Like I would never have looked at that egg carton and thought, yeah, that's going to fix off. Got it. Yeah. 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 Very creative problem solving. Yeah. And it's a fact for you because you were going out on the weekend. You're like, I don't know what to True. wear. Like I've got this, I've got that. And then in my head, I'm like, okay, like, you know, she's got these five options and then she's got these shoe options, but then this isn't going to work with this. And then this mm. is going to work with this. Yeah. And then... I would have spin out a solution before she's even thought of a problem. Oh, this, that is so Because <laughs> I was actually stressing around what to wear this day. The day. And then I just literally speak to Sam and I'm like, right, I've got these options straight away. She's like, wear that and that. And I was like, I never thought about that. Yeah. And yeah. it just, it was perfect. So, <laughs> oh yeah, that is, yeah. Handyman, like outfit, provider or solution. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very stay big perks. We don't meet a man. We've got you as the exactly. head of the We are independent women. She love it. No, for sure. So another quality that, you know, neurospicy people have is resilience. I feel like our society is so built on how, you know, a neurotypical mind works. So navigating and trying to like fit in or mask your symptoms, I guess, as someone with ADHD, it really, really, really builds resilience. I definitely feel that. So uh, another perk is we honestly believe that anything is possible. Yeah, that's so true. Many times, I, I definitely feel like I was more of a no, I can't do 
to a degree, I still am, but not like I'm like that all the time. But mm. you definitely help to navigate that mindset of being like, well, no, I can do it. So mm. I think that's an amazing trait to have. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And we're also able to guess, like, provide a perspective. Like, if you're, say, for example, in the gym and it's a heavy weight and you're like, I can't do this. Yeah. I'd be like, yes, you can. I'll break it down. I'll give you, yeah. like, the motivation and yeah. you'll you'll lift it. Yep. Yeah. Hot girl summer. Here we come. Hot girl summer. That's right. Ooh. Although I don't want him to get much hotter because his heat yeah, is pretty cold. He's sweaty like that. When I sit in, like, 30 degree heat, I call it synod. <laughs> Another thing that we do have as well is that we have a sparkling personality. So my top Clifton Gallup strength is woo, which is the ability to win others over. I feel like any situational scenario that you put me in, I am determined to make friends with anyone and everyone. Like it really, really upsets me on a personal level if someone doesn't like me. Like I take it really personally. So I guess the, yeah, the good thing about being neurospicy is that we are extremely adaptable and we can kind of tailor, we can read a person very well. And then from that, we can kind of tailor how we kind of navigate that conversation or navigate that relationship. Totally. And I think an example, just even of your personality and how you like want people over is we literally just joined a gym. I want to say my two three months ago and they have awards like every year and this gym has been you know around for years we're new members and there's an award for you know personals each class that they're doing like 16 to 25 and sam got voted as hit 25 person and you'd been there only three months so i'm very like that's true. an amazing example of that oh yeah. yeah that is true and then this next one is something that's Probably a pro and equally a con, but we have a really, really strong sense of justice. So if I see something that is unfair that's happened, or if I, you know, hear of something, say at work that isn't right, it really, I find it really, really hard to sit with that and not do anything. I think as well, a lot, something that my dad's taught me is like usually I wouldn't get angry about the situation, but I'm quite impulsive and I just kind of like, like react straight away. But I think it's important to, I guess, just take a step back, have a think about why the issue is affecting you and what are the next steps to, I guess, handle it in a, in a liberal way. And again, relating to the impulsiveness, there is a strong willingness to take a risk. I often don't think of the end result. I just kind of, you know, sometimes it works in my favor, sometimes it doesn't. But if you don't take a risk, you're not going to get anywhere in life. Would you agree? Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Can yeah. you think of any times that I've just taken a risk and be like, Sam, what are you doing? Great. <laughs> Jeez. I'm very trying to be here now. Put me on the spot. I mean, I feel like YOLO is like, I mean, I know everyone says YOLO, but you literally say YOLO so many times. I mean, you've literally just booked a holiday to Thailand in like 10 <laughs> weeks time. So you're just like, yeah, screw it. I'm just going to do it. I mean, yeah. you know, Thailand isn't a risk, but you're like. Oh, it is. Yeah. I didn't have anything to go with and I kind of just booked in and I just, I make it work. Yeah. True. That's kind of, yeah. Always coming out on top. 
I think as well, my ability to motivate others. I don't know if I've told you this, but I feel like my dream career would be, I don't want to say a motivational speaker, but someone that genuinely seeks out the good in other people and I guess tailors it so that they can use it to their advantage. I get, like, I thrive in environments like that. Like, I, I don't want to say I get off on motivating others, but if I help someone lift heavy at the gym or if I someone's having a bad day and I can kind of, like, change their perspective and turn it around like that genuinely makes me feel whole yeah no definitely I think I could definitely see you in a position where you really like you love helping people Mm. so I think that kind of environment for you like long term even doing this where you're telling people and like helping people I think it's amazing and like seeing you do it I think Mm. it's incredible what you're doing so yeah, it ain't easy yeah. doing a podcast. I thought, yes, we'd all just buy a microphone and off we go. No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a bit harder than that. It's a bit harder. There's an hours and hours that go into the preparation, the editing, everything like that. But it's good. I wouldn't change it for the world. I suppose flowing on from the topic of motivating others is, you know, compassion and empathy. I probably have a little bit too much sometimes. Like if I walk past an empty coffee shop, I genuinely feel bad and I have to go in and buy a coffee, even if I know they're really bad coffee or if I see someone upset and I don't even know them, like someone's crying on the side of the road, I almost cry because I see them crying. And the last one is persistent. <laughs> to, to, you know, fix the toilet seat. <laughs> I will not give up anything. I think, you know, like, Five years ago, I did bodybuilding and a few of my friends that I told at the time were just like, oh, like, you know, you will never get there. Like those people are just way too like skinny or ripped or whatever. And I use that as my motivation. I was like, you know what? If someone tells me I can't do something, I will do it five times over. Like super, super persistent. And maybe that's why I'm so good in sales because I don't take no for an app. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last favorite segment of the show, we are going to end on a high of fun facts. I love being. You love it now, do you? I do. I do. I I never remember all of them. Yeah. But when you tell me one, I'll. Yeah. 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 Great. So I did some fun fact digging and we're going to talk about ants today because I just think they are such cool creatures. So Penny's going to take the mic for the first fun fact. Honored. Honored. (laughs) All right, so guys, did you know that ants are as old as dinosaurs? I did not know that, and that actually blew my mind. That's crazy. So they would have survived the Ice Age. They would have survived all those other extinction, like Halo's Comet, Meteors, and everything like that. And here they are. Yeah. 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 Second fun fact is that ants don't have lungs, which I think is crazy. But then when you think about the size of an ant, they just kind of inhale and exhale out through the size of their body. Like they don't have the capacity to have a full cardiovascular system. Do you want to take the next one? They are the longest living insect up to 30 years, which for an insect, that's good going. Really good going. Yeah. And if you think about how little they are and like the lack of infrastructure that they have in the house and everything like that, 30 years to avoid the heat, the rain, the everything that could potentially kill them. Mad. And the last favorite fun facts, and don't have ears. Some of them don't have eyes, which 
Crazy, I know. So they actually listen by feeling the vibrations from the ground through their feet. And the eyeless ants, such as the driver ant species, can communicate using their little antennas. Too wild. Crazy, crazy fun facts. I know. Wild. I know. Well, I hope you guys enjoy those fun facts as much as we did. Thank you, Ten Dogs, for coming on the show. What fun. And you know, Dawn, to anyone listening that, you know, maybe is a bit hesitant talking to friends about it, that it could also be a bit of a fun exercise. Absolutely. Like, teaching them about what ADHD is and then being like, you know what, what am I quirk? Mm. You know, so this is fun. Craning like, on on it. And you can turn a little, you know, you can turn a positive. 100%. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for the neurospicy community? I would just say, be yourself. And when you're talking to your friends about it, obviously those that really love and appreciate you are going to listen and hear you out and support you. So don't be nervous about talking to them because your true friends will stick around and see your spiciness as fun. So. Absolutely. Oh, thank you again. This has been awesome. Next time. I hope you listeners enjoyed as much as we did recording. You know, they might get Penny back on for another special cameo. Yes, get me back on. No money. I'm Brenda. And Brenda. I'm Brenda. All right, let's do Thank you for so much for tuning in for another episode. See ya.